Blooming Inspired Network, empowering the voices of women to lead as they live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast, and I am on with you today to um, continue the conversation about living with an unoffended heart. And so I just wanted to um, to start uh, by saying today is the second day of our podcast, and I'm so excited to be on with you. Um, today's my birthday, which is a really exciting day for me. Um, it's a day that I celebrate that God birthed me into the world, and, um, you know, I just... I think how fortunate I am to have been born into this world for this specific time. And Acts 17.26 says that he chose the specific time, the specific place, the specific period of time that we would be born upon this earth. And so, anyway, um, it's it's just a real blessing to be able to share this with you on my birthday. And so today we're going to be reading from Galatians chapter 5. I believe there's um, so much here to consider. And um, we're going to end in in Galatians uh, 6.1 because I think that that that's where the Lord is telling me to stop. Um, We may read a little bit further than that, but let's just go ahead and jump right into Scripture this morning after I pray. Father God, I just thank you this morning. Um, for my birthday, for a day that's special. Um, You've been teaching me to celebrate, and today I'm choosing to celebrate you. And so, God, I just thank you for my life. I thank you for this opportunity to share um, what you put in my heart with the whole world through podcasting. And I just ask that you would bless us with eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know you through your words. And um, I just ask that you would be Make me wiser than I am. I pray that you would come off wise and I would not come off smart. Don't let me be smart today. Let me just be wise in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... Christ will be of no advantage to you. He's saying, don't keep your religious traditions. How many of you know that religious tradition can create the greatest offense? Oh my goodness, we're going to come back to that. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You see, God God through Christ gave us a new law, the law of love and grace. You are severed from Christ if you walk under the law it says in verse 4 you who would be justified by the law you have fallen away from grace for through the spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth this persuasion is not from him who calls you A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will not, you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear penalty, whoever he is. And see, Paul's not saying be offended by the one who's troubling you. Paul is saying that the one who is troubling you, who is leading you astray, Jesus prescribed a woe for him. 
and he's praying that, that he would experience the woe. Why? Because if he experiences the woe, he'll be convicted and repent. Not so that he'll be punished, but so he'll repent. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves, saying, I wish they'd be humble. Come on. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now see, remember back in Matthew, Jesus said that the law was fulfilled by two things. The first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, isn't that what we do when we enter into offense? Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, verse 16, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You, did you hear that? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident in sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's verse 2. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not his neighbor. For each will bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so, here Paul is is writing to the church in Galatia, and he's saying, he starts out this whole letter to Galatia, saying, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who's deceived you? Who's drawn you away from God? And so here in this part of the letter, he is speaking particularly of those who are choosing 
to live under the law rather than live under grace. <sighs> you see, here's what it, what, what it means. The law of the Spirit comes with this fruit, right? When the Spirit of God is fill, has filled us and is living inside of us, we're full of the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit has nine qualities. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, he says, there is no law. He also says that if you walk, huh, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption, but if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. And, and, he, and he brings up circumcision and uncircumcision, and he's saying that, that the physical act of circumcision, the tradition of circumcision that the Jews have observed for such a long time, all the way back to Abraham, when God instituted his covenant with Abraham through circumcision, they don't mean anything if there's no faith working through love. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Did you know offense will take you off purpose? It will take you off purpose. It will take you off. Um, it will also take you off of being a witness, um, which is every Christian's purpose. We're all called to bear witness to the gospel of, and of his truth. But how can we we be that that message of love and grace and truth and mercy that that God so demonstrated to us in Jesus if we're judging other people now I've heard many preachers say this and I tend to agree with it we need to be fruit inspectors not because we need to determine if that person is sinning and offensive or not but we need to determine whether or not what they're sharing with us is for us. But what we do is we judge. We go back to the garden. Remember Genesis chapter 3, um, where the enemy comes and he casts doubt. Now, the serpent was more crafty. This is 3 verse 1 in Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat, it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was the, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves loincloths, and they were the sound of the Lord. And then they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I am, will surely multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, he said to Adam, and have eaten the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall spring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken from for your dust, and to dust you'll return. And I just want you to notice, there were two curses prescribed. Two curses. Cursed are the serpents of the field above all livestock. And cursed is the earth because of Adam. So the serpent was cursed because Eve partnered with him. And the, the ground and the earth were, per, were cursed because Adam You see, the serpent asked Eve a question that cast doubt on God. She became offended by God because at the point that she agrees to take the fruit and believes the serpent, she believes the lie that God is holding out on her, that God has put something in this fruit that she needs, and it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see, if we live our lives based on the knowledge of good and evil, if we live our lives based on the knowledge of good and evil, then we live from a place of lack. So we're going to be offended by people who have. We're going to be offended by people who don't. We're going to be offended by people who sin if we live by the law. But if we live by grace... How does it change things? I'm going to tell you my own story and um, hopefully be able to draw some conclusions. There are a few keys in Galatians 5 that I want to highlight before I get to that, though. You see, you don't want to fall away from grace, and that's what off taking offense against people does. And, and I find it interesting that I'm, I'm teaching on this very sub subject and the opportunity for to be offended shows up in my life, right? And, and I don't think, okay, I'm going to say some things that you may or may not agree with. For through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. You see, the Holy Spirit is calling us up to the righteousness of Christ. I said this yesterday. It's his blessed plate of righteousness that covers our heart and protects us. But if we take off that righteousness and throw it at somebody, 
who we see as being less than because they're doing things we don't agree with, that don't agree with scripture, then we have joined the muddy water and that breastplate is no longer protecting our heart, but our heart is exposed. So when you take offense, the, what's in your heart becomes exposed. And we're just like that unmerciful servant we read about yesterday who gets forgiven a huge debt. I think that we would do well to remember where we came from. I may have never been a serial killer and committed murder with my hands, but I sure have hated with my heart. I may never have raped somebody or abused them sexually, but I have been sexually immoral, even if that sexual immorality is a thought towards lust. I have desired people sexually, men sexually, even if I never slept with them. Impurity. I've done things with impure motives. Motives to serve myself and not other people. Sensuality and seduction, right? I've wanted people to notice me and find me attractive. Idolatry. Oh my gosh. People. Food things in my house, um, sorcery, you know, um, sorcery is equated to manipulation. And if you have to manipulate something to get it, it probably really wasn't yours in the first place. That's something I've heard someone say. I can't tell you who I heard it from because I just can't remember. Enmity, hatred, strife, striving, jealousy, fits of anger. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you this story because it, it is so, it is so fitting. And this was just a few years ago. That I was sitting in the kitchen with my father and we were having a discussion about um, something I felt I had heard from God, and he sort of began to mock me and say, you didn't really hear God, did you? And, um, and, and I don't say that to be dishonorable to my father. He, he, he just didn't believe that, that I could, that God speaks that way still. And so we had a difference of opinion. And I became offended by what he was saying to me, and, I got, and it hurt me. It hurt me deeply. It cut me through my heart. And it turned into this big argument and this big fight. And because I was offended, right? And uh, all of a sudden, I just felt this thing rise up in me. And I began to just scream and shake my head and stomp my feet on the floor. And my dad goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm throwing a fit. 
I'm throwing a fit and I know it's wrong and I'm doing it anyway because I'm just tired of this. And uh, I threw a fit in anger at my father. And it was so dishonoring to him. It was dishonoring to everybody in the room. It was selfish. And I don't know, it may have been around that time or it may have been a little bit after that we had another discussion that resulted in him getting angry with me. And at that moment, I realized those discussions were not bearing any fruit. They were not creating common unity, but rather they were dividing. And I went to my father and I said, I'm not going to do this again because it is more important to me to have you in my life than it is to be right. And that was such a hard thing to say for me because all I've wanted all my life is my father's approval. And through that one act, through that one act, my father and I came to peace. And we can have these discussions, but we don't fight about these things anymore, even if we disagree. Because we've learned to respect one another and offer common dignity to one another. And it wasn't long after that that I was sitting at the table with my dad and uh, my brother, and we were talking, and my brother asked me, all of these things that you teach, don't you need a pastor teacher? And my dad said, wait a minute. <clears throat> she is a pastor and she is a teacher and she pastors her own heart well. And I got the thing that I was trying to get by demanding he see it. Only after I laid down my right to have that acceptance. See, I had to lay down the offense and let go of it in order to receive what God had for me in exchange. When I was sowing to the flesh, I reaped what the flesh provides. There are rivalries. You know, competition and comparison will kill you. We weren't made to compete with other people. We were made to live a unique God-given destiny. And I'm here to tell you, don't want to be like me. Don't want to be like anyone. Don't want to, don't want to have a platform or, 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 or the life of someone else or the, the, the benefits of someone else's life. Want what God has for you because it's, it's by far better. By far. Hundreds of miles by far. You see, I spent my whole life wondering why I kept getting the scraps. First of all, I was offended by getting the scraps, and I didn't steward them well. Hmm. Offense will cause you not to steward things well. Huh. Dissensions and divisions. Oh. Dissensions and divisions and envy. See, don't desire somebody else's life. Don't compete. Don't compare. Don't divide. Anything that works against unity is not of the Spirit. 
Don't be jealous. Drunkenness on orgies and the things like this. They keep us from our inheritance in the kingdom of God. They keep us from enjoying it. And you know, our inheritance is found in Christ. And the reason these things, they're not just offensive to God, but they're, they're not his nature. And so the truth is, is that when we operate in these things, or we're offended by these things, to the point that we judge other people. Christ's nature is not at work in us because he said the Son of Man did not come into this world to judge the world. He came to save it. And you can't save. You can't save what you judge. You see, there's going to be a judgment at the end of time where we bring our life's work before God and He's going to test it by fire. And whatever remains is going to be ours to keep. That's our inheritance. And Paul's saying, you will not inherit God's kingdom. You will not have a full reward if you do, if you continue to do these things that, you, that are under the law. See, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other. You cannot live from a place of abundance and be competing and striving and indulging your flesh. But when you live by the spirit, there's this fruit that looks like love, and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And you get these things by walking in the Spirit and crucifying your flesh and its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, we must keep in step by the Spirit and not be conceited and puffed up and provoking others. See, that's what I was doing with my dad. I was provoking him or being jealous of each other. And when we see somebody that's caught in a transgression, our job is restoration in a spirit of gentleness. That's what 6.1 says. That we would keep watch on ourselves lest we be tempted. Tempted to do what? To judge. To condemn. Instead, I'm supposed to bear his burden. My, my, my friend who's caught in a transgression, I'm to bear his burden. I remember, um, it was a little over a year ago, some devastating things happened to people close to me. Someone was, had betrayed another, and it was just devastating. It was just devastating. And at first, I felt betrayed. And I grieved how I felt, and I gave it to God. And what he gave me in, in exchange was grief for those people who were, who were struggling. And here's why. Because I'm watching them destroy their lives and destroy the lives of other people. 
and all I can think is this is not who you are. This is not who God died to make you. And I'm angry at the enemy for deceiving you. And it made me pray deep and soulful prayers. You see, it goes back to what I said yesterday from Micah 6 eight, and it goes to something that first that that Peter says, where he says, um, let me look it up. It's uh, real quick. Okay. See, see, Peter says it's better to suffer <clears throat> for doing good, if that be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey. When God's patient waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of Father with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. You see, God never allowed me Sometimes I think we get caught up in seeing other people prosper when we don't, we, we don't see the fruit of, of righteousness in their life. While other, people, while other people who are bearing the fruit of righteousness struggle. But God didn't promise this life without a struggle. He didn't. He said there, there, there are going to be wars and rumors of wars until I come again. And So how do we restore each other gently? I think we do it through relationship. We build relationship. We build a relationship with other people in order that we can have accountability and that we can have honor. And you can't have accountability without honor. We can't serve one another without honor. And it says, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we give greater honor to those parts that are less than honorable. And, and sometimes I think what we do is we give greater honor to the law than we do to grace. The end, and, and, And Christ didn't die to reinforce the law. He died to fulfill it. We can't go on living in the ways of the flesh. And still, you know, it's that, 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 that idea of I've got a log in my eye, but I'm going to go over there and pick on that splinter that's in yours. 
And so I just want to say this morning as we kind of wrap up that going back to Galatians chapter 5, the keys that I see. See, if we recognize that we have been set free in Christ, we can stand firm against the yoke of slavery up to sin, right? If we, if we choose not to value our religious tra traditions over the people around us, we remain teachable. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, then we're going to treat them differently because what we love for ourselves is grace and mercy, but we judge other people. And that's just, that's just conceit. If I discern a bad thing on you, I should be speaking life in the opposite spirit to you. I should be. I should be praying that for you. You see, the tradition, the religious observation of the law doesn't gain us salvation. It doesn't gain us the kingdom. And it doesn't win people to it. That's why Jesus came. Because no one could keep the law perfectly but him. And so in offense, we bite and devour one another. And it consumes us. Have you ever, ever been angry at somebody for something they did to you? And you hear yourself in your mind having conversations with that person about what they did. You rehearse it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you stir up that bitterness, right? We can do nothing apart from Christ. But in Him, we can do all things. It is by faith, through the Spirit, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. We cannot be justified by law. We can only be justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, we need an ongoing, ever-present, continual relationship being filled with the Holy Spirit so we can live by the Holy Spirit and remain in step with Him. The Holy Spirit is the key to not being offended. Because if the Holy Spirit is operating inside of you, he, and you ask Him, He's going to show you the way God sees people. And God sees people through, through the death of His Son. He loved them so much that He would send His Son to die for them. What are you willing to die for? Jesus died for the righteous and the unrighteous alike. That's what we just read in 1 Peter. And the, the last key is that we can do good to everyone, especially the household of faith. You see, I think that what we, what we, what we miss is we hold the world out there to the standard of what we know as believers. So 
we grab our picket sign and we go stand on the corner across the street from the abortion clinic and we rail against homosexuality and condemn it. I'm meddling, I know. And we forget, Jesus didn't judge the prostitute. He spared her. And he did not condemn her. And so they don't know us by our love. They know us by our judgment. And I'm going to be honest, who wants that? It's vain conceit for us to puff ourselves up and say we have a better answer in our judgment. It is humility to say, that we have a better answer in Jesus. I had spent the last five years reading the Gospels, just the Gospels, just the life of Jesus. And what I understand is so different than many things that I've been taught. The scriptures teach me that Jesus was kind, he was gracious, he was gentle. He only grew angry when people were making a bad name for his father. And he didn't sin in his anger. See, the only boast we have is the cross of Jesus, which set us free. And the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, but that doesn't mean everybody's where I am. I remember we were in a small church in, our, in, in a particular season of our life, and, and I was just, I was hearing all these messages about fasting, and I was offended that nobody understood. Like, nobody understood what I was learning, and, and I was so, like, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I, I, I was just like, what's going on here? You know, why, why do I understand this and they don't? God, that's just not right. Why won't they listen to me? Like I had something to say that they needed to listen to. And I just very gently heard the Lord say, it's okay they're not where you are. Do you think, do you think I can handle that? Oh, oh, yeah, you're God. You can handle that. I think I can handle that. So I want to conclude today by praying the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and your spirit. Amen. That's the last line of Galatians chapter 5. I mean Galatians chapter 6. He, said, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And Peter writes, that we should grow in the grace and the spirit of the Lord, the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today, God, I pray that we would grow and we would make that 18-inch journey from our head to our heart. That we would grow in our heart to know Jesus the way that you know us. That we would grow in our heart to love others the way you love us. The way you love them. Would you dig up those bitter root offenses that have been deep-seeded, those seeds of offense that have been planted in our hearts that are beginning to make sprouts and trees? Huh. Help us chop down those trees, God. 
If where there be generational lines of bitterness, I pray, God, that you would sever that bitterness at the root. And you would draw up a well of love and grace in its place that is full of the Holy Spirit and his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because against those things there is no law. You see, Jesus didn't die so we could live under law. He died so we could live under grace and fulfill the law as he fulfilled the law. So Lord, let make us make us servants to all. Make us humble in our hearts. Take that bitter root of judgment and bitterness and cast it into the fire that we too may inherit the kingdom of God. I thank you for forgiving us and sending Jesus to die in our place. I thank you for your love that sets us free. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in with me today. I am so grateful to, ha uh, to have this opportunity to speak to so many people I might never meet um, face to face. And I believe God is doing a great work um, through technology today. And so we got, I'm in, the, in talks with, with other women who want to join my platform and, and begin to share their heart. And we'll be talking about those things in weeks to come. If you have stirring in your heart and you're a woman called to lead and, um, and, and you have testimonies to share or inspiring messages to share, I would love to connect with you. Please visit us at bloominginspirednetwork.com and use the contact form on that page. Or you can email michelle.bentham at bloominginspirednetwork.com. That's michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, dot Bentham. B as in boy, E, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, H, A, M as in Mary at bloominginspirednetwork.com or you can find us on Facebook at Blooming Inspired and if you just DM me a message there um, <clears throat> I will respond as soon as I'm able and set up a time for us to have a com phone conversation um, because I, I, I want to empower the voices of women who are called to lead and, um, and, I, and I've already, I'm already having great conversations with women um, around the country and I'm looking forward to an opportunity to share um, this platform with other powerful women who are who are called to lead and so I just want to honor um, those women that I've already spoken to and I just want to say um, be blessed that 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 this life is worth living laid out before God this life is worth living filled full of his Holy Spirit this life is worth living when you see people's lives changed. And that's what I'm after. The change of people's lives that Christ died on the cross to pay for. I think he should get what he paid for. I agree with that. And I'm not going to stop until I see fruit in people's lives. Because, I, because God loves them. And through me, I make his love available to them. There's nothing about me that's unique and special. It's all about him. And so I'm going to conclude today's show, and we will be back tomorrow to continue this conversation about offenses. I would love to hear what you're thinking about offense. Um, I would love to hear 
what you're learning about offense in your own reading. And I would love to have a discussion with you. So find us on Facebook at Blooming Inspired or on Twitter at Bloom Inspire Net. Or um, you can certainly visit our website and, and communicate with us there as well. I would love to have um, just continue the conversation beyond these podcasts. So that's all that I have for today. Be blessed until tomorrow when we come back again, same time, 11 o'clock, to, um, to share another message of encouragement and faith um, about living an unoffended life. And so uh, I'm signing off today and reminding you that if you bloom where you're planted, that's the first step to living your wildest dreams. God bless you and have a great day.